Hey everyone and welcome to season three of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. This is episode number 44. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today. Wherever you are right now listening in, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, before I get to today's special guest, you will have noted by the number of episodes being 44 that we are approaching 50 episodes for the season next week, which means overall we are approaching 100 episodes altogether for the podcast, which I really still can't believe myself, but it is true. And we are celebrating in a massive way next week here on the podcast, Monday to Friday. It is superstar after superstar, and we're finishing up with the 100th episode being the biggest name in world swimming right now. And I'll leave you hanging there with that one. But I'm really looking forward to bringing it to you guys next week. Please make sure you keep your podcast fixed here to Off The Block so you don't miss a minute of the action. All the huge interviews coming your way next week to finish off Season 3. Do not miss it. Keep your ears out for that one. Now, on to today's very special guest, and it's none other than Aussie and New South Wales rising star of the pool and a man who last year was a part of the junior Australian team in Budapest, and that is Mr. Alex Quash. I spoke to Alex yesterday via Zoom and had an amazing chat about his career so far, things that he's done well, areas that he is still improving, his coaches, last year's age nationals experience, being a part of the junior Aussie team over in Budapest, and of course, committing to Ohio State University for 2021 and being a part of the college system over there in the US. So set aside about an hour out of your day, turn the volume up and listen in because at 44, my chat with Alex Quash starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one-hundreds in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe starting to go away from him. Today on the show is one of Australian and New South Wales swimming's rising stars of the pool. Last year at Nationals, he came away with two bronze medals in the 100 fly and the 100 free and was selected on the junior Australian team to compete over in Budapest at the 2019 Junior World Championships. He also, this year, committed to heading over to the US and being a part of the Ohio sorry, State University <laughs> College team. It's a very big welcome to Off the Block Swing Podcast. Mr. Alex Quash. Alex, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? Mate, I'm very good. As I said to you, it's yeah. been a crazy day for me today. Up this morning, coach, yeah. had a bit of a kip, yeah. got a bit of work done here, talking to you now, so I can't complain today. What about yourself? Did you train this morning? Yeah, I had training. Like, sure, 5K set, um, prepping up for tonight. We've got a bit of quality. Mm-hmm. So well, what does a morning then look like? So you said 5K. So what is it? Just more um, skills? Is it aerobic? Is it technique? Mm. What do you do to get ready for tonight? I think it's a mix of all three. Uh, we did do a bit of Pilates before the session. We did Pilates Tuesday, Thursdays, and then we have every other day gym or mm-hmm. circuit. Um, yeah, generally the, the days we double are the days we've got quality. So in the morning, he doesn't like to um, overload us too much with anything um, 
too taxing on the heart rates, um, anything below T2. Uh, and yeah, we're just trying to get a good feel for the water for the day so that tonight we have a good quality session, a good kick at it. How do you go with Pilates? Because I know, like, I'd probably pull two hammies just doing anything in Pilates. <laughs> just look at me. I'm obviously I'm an athlete. How, how do you go with your Pilates? I mean, I, I, I've gotten quite accustomed to it. Yeah. I think Pilates was a bit of a um, surprise when it first initially. Mm. Um, I had the association with yoga and Pilates, so I always thought it should be a lot of stretching and then mm. just moving the muscles around for training. But it fires up different parts of the body, like the yeah. hips and the glutes. Like they get burning by the <laughs> end of Pilates sessions. But yeah, I'm getting a lot used to it. I feel it's um, had a good impact in my training and it's just good activation to a degree. Yeah, good. Well, it's good to have that different sort of training as well, isn't it? So you're not always mm-hmm. in the pool, not always in yeah. the gym, you know, doing weight gives you something you know, else to concentrate on, different outlet. Now, I know, you know, it's been frustrating for me as a coach at the moment, mate, in New South Wales, seeing Queensland, seeing New Zealand, seeing, I think even WA had their short course champs going on at the moment. Has it been frustrating for you not being able to, you know, get in and and rip in yourself and do a bit of racing? I know we do have some stuff coming up. I think we've got some qualifying meets, some long course stuff, you know, in the coming weeks, but certainly Mm -hmm. it would have been good to let it rip short course too, yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think we've got a good system running in at Enters at the moment um, with cable because we had a um, the opportunity to do a virtual meet mm-hmm. whereby um, Queensland, Victoria, they had their um, guys swim um, a couple of races. It was modulated races and uh, we got to compare each other's times on Me Mobile. And I just gave a small scope of where everyone's at, at the moment. But yeah, it would have been like the atmosphere of just doing like a national short course meet, which is still, I think, uh, it's probably cancelled, but I mean... We could like the short course would have been a great meet for me because um, I love my underwaters um, naturally, and having to just jump straight into long course is a bit of a um, you know bummer, I suppose. But end of the day, racing is racing, and Olympic is going to be long course, not short course. So um, it'd be good just to get back to racing. Um, beggars can't be choosers. I reckon it it is a bummer that there was no short course, but. I'll be happy as soon as um, we get a bit of a long course. Just get back on the blocks, made a bit of racing. Now, uh, what was training like for you during COVID? So firstly, how did you go with, um, you know, having a break? Did you handle that well? Obviously, you probably would have enjoyed yourself for the first few, you know, weeks or so. But how long were you out for? And then, you know, what was it like getting stuck back in? Um, We had, like, Cable had a very good system um, structured around the um, COVID pandemic. Uh, we had two weeks where we had to ourselves. Um, but in the two weeks, so the first two weeks, he told us to be as um, relaxed and carefree as possible. Um, but in that very first week of the two weeks, I sort of went a bit too overboard with myself. I went, did extra stuff, played a lot of basketball on the break. Um, and I think I sort of exhausted myself a bit too much. And the second week was just a really big, like, sleep rest period. Mm-hmm. And then post the two week break um cable had already set um talks with our gym coach at the time and we'd had um specific home gym setups um prepared so that we could try and get to some degree um some fitness uh level exercises going for us and that went on for um a couple of weeks till we um could get pool access at the time um some of us had to go swim at beaches Mm -hmm. which was terrible considering that it was entering the winter but Mm -hmm. um 
we made do with as much as we could there. And then once we could, we got into um, swimming at SOPAC. What was it like getting stuck back into training in the pool? Was it easier or harder than you thought it might be? Um, I think uh, it was it was good because we had the high energy. Um, we had the high energy output from um, having rested so much. But, of course, the endurance is down. And um, there's a good way Cable put it, put it as well. Um, when you come off a break, um, this is more so for, like, um, tapering or, like, not necessarily a long break, but your energy levels are high, whereas your aerobic levels are low because mm-hmm. you took a break. And um, you want to your aerobic will slowly go higher as your energies go down, but your energies will deplete a lot faster than your aerobic will go up. So there is that gray area where um, you have a period of training where it's just like you're not, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. But um, it's just about battling through it, which we did really well, and the transition was like phenomenal. All props to Cable and the crew, um, where the aerobic has to go higher um, as the energy goes down. Yeah, but it was well managed, and um, I think it was really good that uh, we had a pool to start off with, as well as the support class of Emsis. It's a lot of trusting the process there too, isn't it, mate? And understanding, okay, well, you know, I get that, and I understand that it works, but there's a certain part where you, you sort of go, oh, is it working? Is it, oh, hang on, okay, yeah. we'll just keep going, we'll keep we're going, and then eventually, as you said, you come out the other side, and you're like, son of a bitch, yeah, it did work. Look at that, there you go. <laughs> yep. Do you know what I mean? But there is that part yep. of like, all right, I've got to trust this for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, mate, and they now, know what they're doing. So. Yeah, 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 well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's right, mate. Yeah. Now, uh, I like to take all our guests back, mate, to, to where it all started now. And I always joke about for you guys, it's not that far back, really. I mean, you've just turned 19, so it's not that far yeah. to go back. But what are your earliest memories of swimming and, and sort of getting into the pool? Um, I got into the pool I, I guess, relatively late. I think I started learning to swim at eight and got into competitive swimming like really early as well. So eight, eight and eight. Um, I think I was pretty, I excelled pretty well at learning to swim. And I really, I think I skipped a lot of hurdles and I just went straight to the um, squad and then tried to get in competitive swimming from there. Um, see, when I go way back, um, that's, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, our friendship's grown significantly since. And I think um, it's a testament to both our um, racing and competitions. But it's been, it's been rough. It was rough earlier on um, trying to find my way in swimming. Mm. Um, in the southwest, like it, swim, swimming, sort of um, not as I guess glorified as it would be in other regions in Sydney. But we made do, and um, coaches and the right people saw talent in me, and they they um, honed in on that to try and like create something there. So I think swimming for me has been um, a great roller coaster ride in terms of like finding myself as a person and as an athlete. Hmm, that's really good. Mate, did you yeah. do any other sports outside of swimming? Um, I was really surprisingly um, good with all the sprints and, uh, and athletics and, and, and cross country earlier on. And that progressed throughout high school. And in year seven, I started playing basketball, which I got really into and I got really good at. I was in all my team's knockouts and stuff like that. But there came a time where um, there was a fine line between hurt injuring myself and, you know, enjoying basketball because that would affect the way I trained yeah. naturally. So um, basketball is still I'm really passionate about. I like to say, like, I say it's an addiction, really, because I say, like, 
swimming is like passion and then basketball is my addiction because yeah. I'm way into basketball and any given time whenever I go on camps to um, the AIS for example I go to the courts and I always mm-hmm. play with play pick up with whoever's there or like try and get someone else in the cat squad um, to play with me but really basketball um, is the only other sport that I've really gotten into apart from swimming it's good to have that though too, mate. I think it just sort of gives you an, another outlet and another thing to focus on. And say, for yeah. example, you've had a, a bad day in the pool for whatever reason, maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe the results just mm-hmm. didn't come your way. You can always go play basketball later and just kind of get that out of your system and, and move on yeah. and come back refreshed mentally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mate, did you have any idols, heroes growing up? Anyone you looked up to? Maybe it wasn't even in the pool. Might've been on, on the basketball court. Yeah, definitely. Um, just Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, just um, their mentality of um, taking any negative and turning it into a positive. Like, it takes a good man to accept the good, but it takes a better man to accept the bad. Mm. Um, I think that's a really important thing. It's like, it's just a con- concept of having a half glass, ha- ha- glass half empty or glass half full. Yeah. Right? It's the way you perceive things. It's the way, how, it's the way you grow. It's essentially um, a method of life. And I think outside of all the trash talking, which I do do a lot of as well, <laughs> in basketball, I'm also assuming, mm-hmm. um, their characters as athletes is what made them legends. Right? Yeah. So um, it's something really important. And that, that transition, you see them all great athletes. Michael Phelps has it, Tiger Woods has it, Serena Williams has it. Um, and yeah, I mean, currently, I think I'm looking at Dressel because uh, I, I see um, a bit of myself in him in terms of my um, skills off the dives, 15. Um, we did fly free, great short course. And um, I mean, I'm going to try and like give it a crack when it comes to short course yards over in America. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Dressel is just inspiring. And it's, it's good to see um, someone like him revolutionize the way that like underwaters are seen nowadays. Mm. Yeah. For it's sure. interesting you say about that mindset too. And even with the Michael Jordan documentary, um, I'm yeah. sure you would have watched it, you know, how many yeah. times he actually created competition within his brain. The, the, you know, the guy who was playing didn't even say anything about him, but he created this story in his brain yeah. that he had just so he could get up and beat him <laughs> and be like, yeah, yeah, I got yep. you. And the guy's like, what are you yeah. on about? Like, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. And he will yeah. admit later, like, yeah, I made that story up that that actually didn't <laughs> happen. That's just was what I needed to do to get myself in that frame of yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah, what a great documentary. I actually, I've watched that three times. How many times have you watched it? Oh, really? No, I've only seen it like once and I've repeated a couple of episodes twice. Yeah. Um, but I just watched it as I went and I just like enjoyed it because most of it I already knew though. Yeah. A lot of the um, gossip and stuff like that, it was already like old memory type thing because there have been like um, stories of it in the past. Yeah. Um, so really it was just a refresher and a collation of all of them mm. um, that really just came together into a great documentary. Yeah. I enjoyed the little things like, um, you know, where he was flicking the coins closest to the wall and he would be so mad that he kept losing and be like, no, let's go again. Let's go again. Yeah. I, I felt like he even almost wouldn't go out to play the game until he'd won the game of against flicking the coin against the wall. He was that competitive. And the other one was uh, Dennis Rodman and his trip to Vegas. That was just fantastic. <laughs> uh, we yeah. don't have an equivalent here in Australia, obviously, but or maybe trip to the Gold Coast, trip to Byron, but it's not really the same, is it? Yeah, it's not the same, is it? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, now, mate, what did that. you enjoy about swimming most when you were younger? Obviously, you've been in it for a while now, as you said, you know, you were eight yeah. or nine when you started. So clearly mm-hmm. you enjoy it a lot. Um, and I'm assuming what you enjoyed the most has slightly changed as you got an older. When you were yeah. younger, what did you enjoy about it most? Um, it may sound conceited, but like I enjoyed being good at something and within the squad and I, I think I had in my it was a small squad Mounties Mount Preacher yeah. and I think um, I was enjoying the fact that I was the one with the most potential there at the time mm-hmm. and then as I got in deeper and made teams and stuff like that that's where I saw people who had matched the same potential with even higher potential at the time um, and that's where I developed a um, desire to want to work hard and then that's when competition and everything collided so initially, it really was just um, me being better than others. So I, I guess that's a bit of a um, innate competitive nature there. But as that went on, it just kept feeding and feeding. And then especially when I got into basketball as well, and I learned to trash talk as well. I go pick up anywhere, call, any call right now, and I'll trash talk anybody at the moment. <laughs> and I will most likely beat them too yeah. um, in basketball. So I think that, that field and everything just came together and it just kept adding sticks to the fire. And I think, as I grew on, it became more competitive and then it became more competitions. It became more making teams, um, being seen as um, a, a competitive athlete in other people's eyes, like how I'm being perceived by others. That resonated well with me. Mm. Um, so I've always been trying to do that. Um, and I, I do I do get um, that a lot of people like to see me as like a really – good underwater athlete Mm -hmm. so i think i also want to like preserve that so like just anyone's perceptions of me um i'm just trying to like enhance upon that at the moment yeah and like it's a driving motivation to just try to be the best at something and then eventually hopefully be the best in swimming yeah it's funny you say people's perceptions of you because if you followed your sort of let's say career, but if you followed your swimming since you were, say, 12, 13, 14, you would yeah. know you were doing pretty well. You've always been at, yeah. you know, at the top of your age group yeah. doing pretty well. Were there any sort of things that we might not have seen, any struggles along the way, anything you you know, had to look to overcome? It could have been nerves before a race, could have been executing a race plan. It could have been even understanding a race plan because the more I talk to people about race plans, the more sometimes they even say they don't have one. Or they yeah, only yeah. just got one, if that makes sense. So I spoke to the great breaststroker, Penny Haynes, who um, is, is a South African legend. She was world, world record holder, um, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Anyway, she raced the 200 breaststroke at uh, the Atlanta Olympics without a race plan, which blew my mind. She just said, I dived in and went as hard as I could for as long as I could. So yeah. were there anything that you had to you know, look at overcoming that on the outside we might not have seen, but on the inside, you were working really hard to try and adjust and overcome. Um, I think it's, it's changed um, over the years. I think earlier on, um, I had Clinton when I was, I think, eight or nine there. Then he left for the hills and I had Rob for four years, Rob Chaff. He was yep. another coach of mine. Um, I think in that four-year period, uh, there weren't, it wasn't the best training program, to be fair. Uh, he he was really committed to me. Uh, he was really committed to training, but I think the training approach wasn't there. So when it came to racing, um, when you talk about race plans, I was very limited because mm-hmm. I had zero endurance. 
um, at the time we were doing no endurance, but we were doing kilometers, but we weren't doing anything that was taxing um, um, with aerobic capacity. Uh, we did no kick on a board, and I used to be really good at kick when I was younger, and we did no kick eventually, so I was terrible. At kick. I, my kick started uh, started de- depleting pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in terms of race plan, it was very limited. It was always just front end speed and hang on and then just wait for everyone to swap me. And I think I held on to that and I was very disappointed with myself with a lot of races because I felt I was, I, I was definitely restricted because I couldn't go beyond um, yeah. 50 meters, for instance. Right. Um, so, but then as soon as I went, joined Clinton at the age, I think it was, I rejoined him back at 13 or 14 at the Hills. Um, that's when it was a lot of grinding. That's when it started. I said in my mind, I was saying I had to catch up four years worth of training four years worth of hard training, I mean. Um, I was slower than Tim Hodge. Great Paralympian, great athlete, great trainer. But he's got one leg. Um, I, was, I, I couldn't keep up with him in any aerobic sets. Um, that, that had to be worked on. And I think that was in the back of my mind. So, like, I was trying so hard to be um, endurance space. I was trying so hard to catch up on aerobic that I missed out four years. In a row. And that is a lifetime for swimmers, right? And I think when it came to race plans, I was really inconsistent. Um, because I think in the back of my mind, I was still immediacy was trying to just have enough in the back end so I don't get seen as only a front end athlete. Yeah. And I think Clinton, um, there was a lot of conflict there. Um, he wasn't really happy with it. He was happy when I won and I did it my way, but he wasn't happy when I lost and did it that way. Um, because just just naturally, because both of us were just equally as competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the, in the um, tenure that I had with Clinton. Um, I had developed a, a degree of um, endurance. And I think with that, also back to the perception of myself, I think I gained the respect of other coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, not named any coach, but there was um, one time a coach that I did admire um, within our state um, who, had a, uh, who had an athlete tell me that he thinks that I'm a bit of a bitch when it comes to... Um, the second 50. So he just mm-hmm. told his athlete to keep with me mm-hmm. and he'd, um, he'd smoke me in the last lap, which I did the complete opposite. And I smoked his athlete in the last mm-hmm. lap. And that's when um, it, it gets to, it gets to my head. I just need to make sure that they know me as like dangerous and as an athlete and yeah. a competitive one too. So race plan was something that I still haven't yet figured out yet. Yeah, I can get really um, sidetracked by it. I think cables done a good job of trying to like, um, um, appropriate myself to focusing on a race plan uh, but over the years I've still and I, I still to this day am working on my endurance and I think my priority is still working on that um, but it's something it's about working all the um, little things all the little one percenters mm. like working on a race plan that will accumulate to um, success so yeah I'm trying my best with mm. endurance but I'm also trying my best to um, accept race plans yeah. Well, I think two, two things for that. Number one, when you said you were getting beat by Tim Hodge, I've watched uh, Hodgey train and I know how hard he works. So I yeah, don't but... doubt, I don't yeah. doubt at the stage he was beating you, he would have been beating a lot of people that were actually yeah, yeah. in the pool as well. Cause uh, he's just as competitive and I know how hard he works, but two, obviously, you know, through that period mate as well, you grew, you matured, you got bigger, you got stronger. I'm assuming, yeah. you know, physiologically you changed as well. So a lot of things have changed for you over the years as well. 
mm-hmm. which, you know, sometimes makes you, you know, a different athlete. And I talk to a lot of my swimmers at the moment who, you know, might not, you know, they might be 13 and they're kind of underdeveloped, not a lot of fast twitch fibers. So we say, okay, well, we're going to be more middle distance to distance based at the moment. We're going to work on our technique, no doubt. But that doesn't mean that that's their, their wheelhouse for the next, you know, 10 years. Because yeah. by the time they're 23 trying to make an Australian team, they could be a 100 mm-hmm. breaststroker because they've grown, they've gotten bigger. You know, sometimes yeah. you look at their parents and their parents are massive. So you're like, all right, well, I yeah. know that kid's going to grow. We've just got to, uh-huh. you know, lay the foundations for it. Yeah. Mate, what about, um, talk to me about some of your favorite events to race in the pool. And has that changed over the years? So, like, is, is yeah. what you enjoy to race now very different from what you used to like? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's very different. I think it was a. It's more. Um, it's more exclusive now. So before, I really enjoyed. I think I am is still one of my favorites. Uh, I have dropped that off because um, in recent years I've still doing short course and I still do it pretty well in short course. But when it comes to long course, I've dropped that off because my breaststroke. I think all the um, rolled ankles from basketball sort of like mm-hmm. deteriorated my ankles there. But I mean, it, I mean, you can still fix it. So it might give it some time. I mean, I'm training with Matt Wilson, so maybe yeah. something, something, something wild. Yeah, surely you could pick up some sort of tips from one of the yeah. fastest <laughs> 200 breaststrokers in the world. Yeah, um, but 200 IM earlier on was um, one of my favorite ones. Just being able to do a four, and that's why endurance was such a um, necessity for me, uh, and it still is because I do a 200 fly. I do still do the 23. So I think endurance just on a, on a basic level is just necessary in the sport unless you want to just be a pure sprinter, which I never really wanted to be in the first place. Because yeah. I knew I, I'd develop into, a, um, as an Asian, a larger Asian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I knew that I didn't want to just be like distance. And I, I, had, I had the fast switch top fiber and I always thought if I had the front end and I just had the back end, then it'd be like a harmonious marriage. Um, so I think fundamentally... I always wanted to work on endurance because of my IM. Um, I think now I'm a fly free. I'm more of a fly freestyler. I think Ohio State want to try and get me back into backstroke, which I was fairly decent at. I mean, I, I do turn into quite the backstroke when it comes to short course. But long course is, is questionable. Um, is because most of it you're trying to go underwater, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just basically go underwater pretty much. Yeah. All way through. I live yeah. and breathe underwater. If it was a main stroke, it'd be underwater. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am was my favorite and still is. And I, I do hope I do get back into it. But at the moment, fly and the 100 free, the 100 free, I think there's so many different ways of racing it. Mm-hmm. And I think I have an advantage with my starts and my turns. So I'm going to try and incorporate that and try to be the difference maker. A bit like Russell is with the free. Mm. Like my dad said, a um, good, good start is half finished. Yeah. Now, hey, well, talk to me. You just keep mentioning dress. Or are you going to get like a sleeve or what are you going to do? Are you going to go any tattoos? <laughs> I don't know how my parents... I was going to nah, say, how would the parents any. go with that? Yeah, the parents will not go well with that. I, I flirted <laughs> with the idea um, a couple of times to my sister and she's not so much for it, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I don't think I'll, I'll get to the point where I'm going to get a whole sleeve. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, I might add to a bit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be in the distant future, I, I yeah. assume. Well, listen, in case your parents do listen to this, I am not encouraging him to get a sleeve or anything <laughs> like that. So please do not yeah. send me any emails. Um, yeah. <laughs> mate, let's talk about last year's uh, National Age Championships results. I mentioned earlier, 
Um, I think you got two bronze in the 100 fly and the 100 free. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> yeah. we had a mishap in the 200 fly, which I'll, I'll um, get to in a minute. Firstly, with the yeah. 100 fly, the free, you know, that whole week. And again, we'll keep out the 200 fly for now. How do you look yeah. back on that week, those results? Where did you go right? Where did you go wrong? I think um, it, what went, I think a lot went wrong, um, but and uh, a lot could have been gone. A lot could have gone right, but where it did go right was I made a team, and that's all that mattered. That was um, back in my mind. I was in um, the Oceana team, so yep. essentially the B team um, the year prior. So my mind was there was going into the nationals, making a um, proper team. So that's why I maximised my opportunity with the 200 fly. I saw the opens the week prior to it for just the 200 fly, and because of that one race, I made the team. I think over the course of um, the meet, I don't think I was doing the right, the smart, the smart athlete decisions. Um, I think professionalism was lacking. Uh, I went, I went on a, um, I went on a weird journey. I had Mm -hmm. coffee before heat and coffee before finals, which Mm -hmm. I'd never done before. I do occasionally drink coffee, but seldom did I, um, Seldom did I have them consecutively on every single day yeah. before every single race. And so this was just you thinking, yeah, no, this was I'm going to do something different. I need this. This was me thinking, yeah. This yeah. was me thinking caffeine would give me the boost, which it okay. did to a yeah. degree, but then it has its trade-off, right? Mm-hmm. So by the sixth, by the fifth day, I think it was where my hundred fly was. It was it was already starting to collapse, but that was when it collapsed to. And I, I think I attribute a lot of my I attribute my nationals there to. Um, my coffee. I think that's what really um, messed things up for me because it was pretty. I think overall, not not great nationals, but a lot to learn from. Mm. I think by the fifth day, I couldn't sleep before the hundred fly, um, so I couldn't sleep the whole night. I think I got two hours of sleep maybe. So I swam the heat, and my eyes were red. I swam the heat of the hundred fly. I did I did a decent time. I did a good heat swim, mm-hmm. and then I tried to get a nap in because I knew that I didn't have enough sleep from the night. And I couldn't get to sleep. I tried um, getting like drowsy pills to get me to sleep. Didn't work. I tried all sorts of exhausting methods and it didn't work. So all I could do was rest my body. But my mind was already like messed up and I was way too tired. So in a hundred fly final and especially when it was that close of margin, I needed a bit more energy to sort of get me over the hump. But it was sort of deteriorating um, from the second day onwards. So I think the rest of the meet was already an uphill battle Mm -hmm. after that. But naturally, I stopped the coffee on the day I had the um, on your fly. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I got some sleep. And there was a two fly one free where I messed, um, where I did have the uh, mishap in the two fly. Um, and then I saw the one free. In the finals, I had the coffee. Because then after that, there'd be no more racing. And um, I, I, I gave a good hit at the 100 free period. And I was really happy with the race. And um, with that time, I guess it helped me get onto a... Um, B team relay, which basically, which essentially converted over to an A team relay at Junior Worlds. Mm. Mate, yeah. talk to me. I'm interested in in the psychology of what you just said. So I, I get the coffee yeah. was, you know, part of the issue, it's but what mistake. sort of intrigues me most is your your thought that okay, this is what I'm going to do. Which I, I, as to your point, you sort of dabbled in originally. You'd had a bit of coffee here and there, but you certainly wouldn't have done it to to the level of no. what you did. Yeah, so what was, was going through your mind that week that you thought, 
all right, no, I need this. Was it a lack of confidence in yourself, a lack of confidence in your preparation? Clearly somewhere in there, personally, I'm not saying the coach or the team or anything like that, but just you personally went, no, I need something extra. What made you think you needed something extra? <laughs> um, I think, I don't think it was a deficiency in confidence. Mm. I think um, it boils down to, I think it was a bit of a complacency. I, I was feeling good going into it. I'd done a good training block um, and I felt really good about myself. And I wasn't, I wasn't just thinking about winning. I was thinking about smashing. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that I had the potential of like going big in this, con- this meet. Um, there were races where um, I-, I thought I could be a dark horse. Mm-hmm. So I was like, F everything. I'm just going to, I'm just gonna try and maximize everything because I've seen I've seen people do it and I've seen them um do it to perfection with um mm-hmm. the um the caffeine yep. and 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 cable does um promote that but not for me yet um but it is a thing so I thought maybe if I just give it a crack I can like maximize my I don't know my potential from 100 percent to 110 okay. yeah, percent or yeah. something like that and then I could just further my gap from the next competition which really ultimately backfired on me mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. But it was really just me thinking of trying to like smash everyone instead of just beating them, which didn't come to fruition. Yeah. Well, I I enjoy, you know, and I appreciate you, you know, sort of telling those stories of things that might not have gone right. Because when people listen to the podcast, clearly so often we hear about the stories of the triumph and the gold medal and then, you know, making a team and all this stuff. So not that's not reality you know that that's a small portion of people out there that get Mm -hmm. that sort of yeah uh you know that reward and you know no doubt you've had those rewards in your life but no doubt you you know as you said you haven't so i think it's good for people to hear the ups and the downs um and you know sort of Mm -hmm. how your mind was working at the time and and what you were thinking now we've mentioned and we've danced around the 200 fly what happened in the 200 fly um so what happened in age nationals in the 200 fly was that uh, I'll miss my race. Um, like most you know, if I miss my race, then I got disqualified in the event. I missed my race because they um, t- they reseated the 800 women's 800 freestyle, and they um, took out they amalgamated it to I think four heats to three or two heats I think it was, and um, that's one thing that younger kids should learn from. They need to make sure they're well prepared and they know what races are to inform them. So they know what to prepare for, um, but yeah, I'm, there were so that's immediately like twenty minutes gone, and I was midway changing when I saw my name on the board, and my mate came over and told me you're supposed to be in the water over there, mm. and it just it's just a sinking feeling considering that it's my main event at the time, it's my my event that I could try and make the team on. I'd already flopped in the hundred fly. Um, and I knew this was going to be my last chance. I know, I knew in the back of my mind, I had the 200 fly from uh, open and it was a good time. It was a hard time to beat. And I, th- and I was like, I needed to defend it, but I didn't get the opportunity to. Yeah. Until that was somebody else had also missed the race. We'd gone together to the um, technical room and then they reinstated me into the race. To no avail because I got disqualified on two turns. Well, it's for the same thing I got disqualified for at state, at state age. I got disqualified for the turn, turning onto my back. Um, I don't underwater on my back in the fly. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. I mean, apparently I was slightly on my back <laughs> and enough for me to get disqualified. Yeah. But I think that was, I think, fair because apparently when I got reinstated, um, a lot of coaches had gone and complained saying that I shouldn't have been reinstated. 
I should have stayed disqualified. I should have stayed disqualified for missing yeah. my race. Yeah. And I think it just came full circle when I got disqualified for it. And then it just became me sitting on the sidelines, having to see whether or not they go slower than the time I said it opens. But I think what what was most important and um, what I pride myself on was the fact that I had I could zero in and like focus on the hundred three because I also had the hundred three that day and it was also also an opportunity to make mm. a team on for that. And I think without my main event there, I could focus all my energy on 103. I could try and just vent all my anger and um, try and redeem myself in a sense in the 103, which I think I did a good job of doing. Didn't make a team for it, but I did um, did myself proud. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. You know, how did you recover mentally? What did you do in between that? you know, period to go, okay, now I need to switch on. Yes, that was a shit show. And yes, that shouldn't have yeah. happened. And yes, we'll probably yeah. have to deal with that later in a, in a very heated conversation <laughs> with the coach. And, yeah. You know, I get that. But right now I've got a job to do. How, how hard mm-hmm. was that? And what did you do to sort of, you know, switch, uh, flip the switch and get stuck in for that? I mean, it was an unprecedented event. I never had anything experience with this. So I had to um, think smart. And I, know, I knew... That if I if I caved um, in the hundred three, it would really hurt the way people would see me. They see, they see that I um, messed up a race and I can't recover from it. So I think there was definitely um, a solid half an hour, an hour period, like after that twenty five heats, going the hundred three heats, where I was like to myself, "Holy shit, what have I just done?" Um, a lot of doubt and a lot of negativity was um, brewed upon me myself, um, but. I just reminded myself that I'm a threat in this hundred three, mm-hmm. um, and I can uh, still put something forth. Um, historically speaking, the hundred three has always been a um, event where I couldn't really, well, I never thought I could maximize because it was always uh, proceeding a two hundred fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could never get everything out of me in the hundred three. So I was like, this time without the two hundred fly. I have nothing stopping me from throwing out a big hundred free, which I did. And I, and in that moment, like I try to like evoke every emotion possible to try to produce the fastest swim possible. Um, I forgot about my up and down week with the caffeine and everything. And I, I was still in an uphill battle. The 200 fly would have been a struggle as well. And I forgot about that. Um, I forgot about the fact that I just missed the 200 fly. And I was like, all right, today, hundred free. I only have a hundred free. I'm going to try and be the best hundred free styler here. And I'm just going to give us, I'm going to give it a ripper and um, see what happens. And mm. I did that, got a bronze medal in it. And uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. I think it's a good takeaway in terms of just focusing on the task at hand rather than looking back. And I've always yeah. said this, and I'm sure you think this as well. Nothing ever gets achieved by looking back other than yeah. we can learn from our lessons, no doubt, but you're certainly not going to mm-hmm. be, you know, moving forward. So I think you did a great thing there by just switching yeah. off and going, okay, well, this is where I need to go one step at a time, one goal at a time, one target at a time. So yeah, for anyone listening, I think that's perfect advice, mate. I think um, yeah. you did a good job there. Now, <coughs> pardon me. Talk to me about um, dealing with a massive program. For yeah. me, I look at what you've done there. I look at a lot of the other kids that I spoke to in terms of nationals, especially with heats and finals and relays and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. No doubt by the yeah. time you get to junior worlds, which we'll get to in a minute, it's, it's kind of a little bit more streamlined towards you. You fly mm-hmm. and a couple of IMs, a couple of relays, sorry. But yeah. when you're at nationals, as you know, you've got a lot of other stuff going on. 
how do you go with that week? Obviously, take away, we don't talk about the caffeine anymore, but talk about, you know, your week in terms of your recovery, your uh, warm-ups, your, you know, prehab, all this sort of stuff. Is that stuff Mm -hmm. that's taken a while for you to get used to or do you have it pretty down pat now? Um, I I think I have it pretty down pat at the moment. I mean, I'm very, um, I'm out training, um, pretty um, slack with um, prehab sometimes. Um, But, when it comes to racing, I'm really um, zoned in on it, and I think it's um, it's testament to um, I, I think my my experiences and um, competition throughout the years. I think um, ultimately, having done it so many times, I've gotten better at it. Uh, I think a lot there have been like a lot of instances where I haven't done enough recovery, which affects my next race. And um, I've learned from that experience and made sure that I've done that, done it twice even, um, to uh, ensure that I get the most out of my race. Mm. I think when it came to that week with a lot of racing, if you have a big program, I think um, you get used to it. You get a lot of, you get a lot of race practice. It's, it's a lot like the mindset's different as well. Um, and it's a lot harder of a mindset having a bigger program as opposed to just one big race. You don't want to fall into the trap of, you know, I want to survive the week. I want to tr- and stuff like that. Mm. You want to make sure every race is treated as if it was the only one in the week, um, which I think you, you, you go into it. You grow into it with the right network around you, uh, with the right coaches and the right things they say. You grow into it and you know <clears throat> what you need to do to um, make sure that each race you're feeling energized and you're not um, feeling any lactate or anything and you're ready to go fast. Mm. Mate, great advice. Um, when it comes to coaches, I want to talk to, to you about two. Firstly, the one you, you're working with currently, Mr. Adam Cable. Mm-hmm. Now, what have you learned with working with Adam, uh, the head coach of the New South Wales SOPAC Hub? Oh, he's a bit of a jokester. <laughs> no, um, he's, he's a very um, systematic, he's a very pragmatic coach. Um, he's really by the system. Uh, Prior to going into Ensis, there were a lot of um, talk about him being very strict. But um, the way I see it, it's not really strict. It's just being smart. Um, I think he's a very um, good coach who knows what he's doing. Um, that's really important. I think um, all my coaches that I've had knew what they're doing, but he, he just displays this uh, professionalism with it um, and just this um, poise, um, just having every plan, every backup plan ready for um, any unprecedented event, right? Um, yeah, he's worked with Mainson, worked with um, Matt Wilson. So he's got a pedigree of working with um, great athletes. And I think, and he sees a lot in me. And the way, I think I relate well with him um, in the fact that we're both very, uh, we're both flyers, mm-hmm. for starters, both two flyers for starters. Um, and the fact that, um, we're both into motivational quotes, uh, motivational movies, motivational anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very, he's a very intelligent man. He's a very wise guy for someone his age. <laughs> um, and I think we, we connect on the same wavelength there. And a lot of the things he says, uh, um, I, I do conceptualize in my mind prior to him. So it's nothing new to me, but it's like, wow, you think the same thing as me type mm. of thing. So, I think as a coach, it's, it's a good connection there. I thought it'd be a bit foreign, given that I've been with Clinton for so long and then I jumped ship to Cable. But um, 
it, it was seamless. Uh, he, he made it very easy and he's a very um, likeable guy. Mm. Um, and he's just good with talking. He's good with talking. And that's what you need in a coach. You need good yeah. communication, you need good comms. Yeah. So, well, so mate, it sounds like you've bought in really well there. And no doubt that's yeah. where the confidence comes from because, you, you know, you've, uh-huh. you're eating it up what you're hearing. Now, talk to me about someone that I know very well, I trained with and yeah. I worked with, Mr. Clinton Camilleri, head coach of yeah. Auburn Swim Club. Yeah. He's, man, he's um, an incredible um, figure. He's funny, a bit... <laughs> He, his um, jokes can go a bit radical. Yeah, when you said funny, I mean, that just depends on what you, what you find funny. <laughs> but yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's a really loving coach and a loving father, obviously, um, with his new kids. Um, I think he was a great coach because he was the one which sort of gave me guidance early on in my um, swimming career. Mm. And then even post-Mounties, um, he was the one that advised me to, like, said I was a big fish in a small pond and that was um, something that um, I needed to think about and that was when I took the leap to try and get into um, swimming a bit more seriously and I swam with him at the hills, worked with a lot of good, um, other, good other athletes and stuff like that, got a, lot, got a lot of good opportunities with him together, we've um, battled a lot together and I think that's, um, that speaks volumes. Um, Clinton, yeah, he's worked everything with me um he's designed a lot of things for me we've yeah gone and caps we've had fights together and i think that just strengthens our relationships i think his relationship with me just goes beyond coach and athlete and i feel i feel that with cable is um trending towards that but it's not yet there because just to to, to the mass of like years that i've had with clinton and just the close relationship that he has with like my family i have with his family um i think He's a great coach and a um, great person if you know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you know yeah. him enough, if you know him enough. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, as I said, I consider him a mate. I talk to him probably once a fortnight, maybe once every three weeks, but there's not many people I do that to. So clearly yeah. I, I do appreciate uh, his words of wisdom and his funny, yeah. sometimes offbeat jokes. Um, <laughs> mate, talk yeah. to me about the Auburn Swim Club, though. You know, obviously mm-hmm. great success there, Clinton at the helm, yeah. yourself, a great age group program, but obviously the Paralympians that are, are killing it there as well. There's a good team culture there, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think um, I like to think that um, it was um, my, hopefully my doing. I think um, as more and more athletes came in, I welcomed them as best I could at my time there. Um, I think we, we kept the culture of like a strong, committed athlete. Um, and yeah, I think Clinton could carry that through because it's one thing for me to say and for them to come in, but it's another for um, Clinton to like see it through. Mm. Uh, so it was both, I guess, both our efforts that um, created such a great culture in um, Auburn. And I think I left it in great hands with uh, Tim Hodge. Tim Hodge is an incredible trainer, as you said earlier. Um, incredible athlete. Maybe you can have him on on this show. Um, I've had him on, mate. Do, if we go, if oh, we go back to like episode five, I think. He was one of the first you ones. Should do I, it. You, should do an up, you should do an update. We'll you do an do update. An update. Uh, write that down. But, <laughs> update. But yeah, Tim. Yeah, Tim's just incredible, and I think it's in safe hands with him. Couple of athletes, um, Vanya. I would have thought I uh, would have hung around for a bit longer, but COVID got the best of him. Mm. Um, he he had a little promise, a lot of talent, um, but nonetheless, Clint's got a lot to work with, and it's just um, incredible to see what he can do with it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's funny about the Tim Hodge interview, just a little side note. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, we actually, I, I, I had to redo it. So we did it first. At, oh, really? Like, yeah, we did it first at 2018 Age Nationals in Sydney. Um, I, he came into SOAP. He wasn't even racing. He came into SOPAC and we went out the back in the cafe area to do oh, it yeah? like a one-on-one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I set it all That's up. Nice. I had my coffee yeah. and everything. And it's quiet out there. It's perfect. Yeah. And then, like it had been planned, the family from hell decided to come <sighs> up the stairs and sit right next to us. And they let their kids like run around the table. They could see we were clearly oh, doing no. an interview and they were yeah. kicking balls. The kids were crawling under our, uh, under the oh, table. No. So in the end, yeah, we sort of looked schedule. at each other. I said, listen, we're, we're going to have to, I don't know. We, and then we ended up redoing it. I called him and we did it over the phone. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, luckily as a champion, he agreed to do it again. Because yeah. I was like, mate, I just can't yeah. use this audio. All you can hear is the kids in the background screaming. So anyway, that was, that's yeah. where I that do good. appreciate Zoom. Because it does take a lot of that, like, um, Extra you know, unexpected things, you know, yeah, 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 like usually my daughter's it's more controlled, school, it's more controlled, it, yeah, it's exactly, more controlled. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, That's they were the, the family from I wanted to, like, <laughs> if I wasn't speaking with a Paralympian, I would have just launched an almighty verbal abuse <laughs> at these people because they were anyway, let's not get started. <laughs> like I like to make it. people think I'm a nice guy on here. Um, <laughs> we'll keep that. Yeah, yeah, let's keep going with that theme. Um, yeah. Mate, 2019 Junior World Champs. Um, we touched on yeah. you, you made that, that team, and I, I've had quite uh-huh. a number of, of the athletes that have went on that trip on the podcast. It seems like it was a great experience. Um, I, I've been really excited to talk to all of you guys because I feel like we're uncovering the next Commonwealth Games swimmers, the next, you know, Pampak yeah. swimmers, and obviously then going on to, to being Olympians, which I'm, I'm excited to say, you know, you guys first came through in terms of, media and coverage and, and interest on, on the podcast because you guys are just killing it and doing a great job. Firstly, talk mm-hmm. to me about that trip. What, what did you learn yeah. from? Obviously, you'd been on, on the Oceana one. You'd been on the one before, but this was a, another level, no doubt. What did you learn yeah. from that trip? And might not have even just been in the pool. Might have been about travel. Might have been about uh, you know getting ready for performance, recovery, all those things that you were still trying to tinker with even yeah. before you went. Yeah. Um... There was a lot to go learn from um, junior odds from my standpoint. Um, we'll go chronologically. So got there, staging camp, um, and I'd put on, I think, two kilos. And they kept feeding to my mind that it was only water retention um, from the flight and there's nothing to be worried about. But naturally, me being the, um, the king of um, last-minute decisions, I decided to chuck myself onto a keto diet, um, a full keto diet, so no carbs whatsoever on training camp um, in Slovakia. And boy, did I get ripped into my um, Glenn Berenger. He was mm-hmm. like, what am I doing? I mean, I managed to lose the weight, but mm-hmm. training did sort of regress a bit. I could feel like I was getting more and more tired yeah. and depleted in sessions, right? Mm-hmm. But I put myself on the keto diet, um, just because of one small, because I've seen uh, Michael Andrews do it, right? And I was like, hey, if he's done it, he's got success, it might work for me. <laughs> and I gave it a crack. And I did manage to lose the weight. And then afterwards, Glenn just, he, he gave me a light rip into it. He was like, mate, you probably shouldn't do last minute changes too or too much. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm, all right. I'm not going to do it anymore. I've already lost the weight and that's it. So I think 
Um, knowing from that, I'm not going to change my diet, even if anything, I'm not going to change anything drastically as a response to drastic changes, if you know what I mean. So, um, I think that's another thing that comes with professionalism and something Clinton was touching to me on. And that was, it was actually a mutual decision for me to move over to Ensis as well. Yeah. Um, and this was happening in the midst of things with um, Junior Worlds. Uh, so, yeah, that was just the first thing that was already an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, there were some internal, some internal um, conflicts and stuff like that within the squad, uh, within the team and stuff like that. Nothing that we couldn't overcome, obviously. But that was just also something about unity. And mm-hmm. I think um, that's just very basic at the core level. Um, and when it came to racing, um, I'd actually uh, hurt my neck in the um, staging camp um, prior to racing, like the last day of staging camp as well. I was at a park. We were on this climbing thing. And I landed on my back from a height of maybe like three, four meters or something straight on my back. So my neck was really like, um, my range was very limited. It couldn't really go too far. I could look, couldn't look 180 or anything, or barely lift my head up, which is tragic for fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a good, um, we had a good time trial the week before for um, going into racing for my hundred fly. I had a PB swim, so that gave me good confidence there. But my neck was also a uh, recurring issue, so I was a bit of a worry. But then once it got to racing, I was actually, in fact, only in the 50 fly and the 200 fly. Uh, 200 fly because I was the farthest qualifier and the 50 fly because I had a time that was, I think, second fastest or something. So enough for me to make the um, two events there. I didn't make the 100 fly because I came third at Nationals. Um, Kalani Island was first and Nash Oliver. Um, but I swam the 100 fly and got the PB at my um, at the staging camp. And uh turned out Kalani couldn't swim the 100 fly because it coincided on the same day as the 200 IM for him. And he had a better shot with the 200 IM. So mm-hmm. they put him out of the 100 fly, chucked me into it and gave me an opportunity to show them how great I was at it, mm-hmm. which I completely took. Um, but that was later in the week. Um, first day of the week, I was in the morning. It was a heat swim for the 4x1 freestyle relay. Um, I was supposed to be um, part of the B team, which would like um, just swim the heat for the guys in the finals and then the A team will hop on. Um, but I swam it and I went a 49, I think, 49.8 or 49.9 or something like that um, with a relay start. And um, they ended up chucking me onto the um, finals team mm. because uh, I'd had such a um, quick time there. And in the finals, I dropped the 49.1, which is um, the finals on the team as well. Mm. And I think from then onwards, they chucked me on all the other freestyle relays because they could see I had like great promise with the relay starts and underwaters. And um, yeah, I just, it just, my freestyle popped off. I knew it was going to be good by the meet, but I, didn't, I knew I didn't have any races in it. But um, it was always in the back of my mind, if I could do a good swim in the heat and I could make it in the finals, I could probably show them and try and convince them otherwise, which I, I did. And I ended up swimming. It was more an exhausting program for me. I think I ended up swimming um, altogether, maybe like six relays and individuals. And then if you include the finals and stuff like that, maybe like 11 or close to double digits. Yeah. Whereas, as opposed to just having two races and start off with. And I took, I took that in as a um, great opportunity um, same with 100 fly. Uh, I was the third fastest on the team, but then I ended up PBing at the meet to a fast time whereby I was the fastest 100 fly, and they ended up chucking me in the medley relay for that as well. So I took in every opportunity that I was given. Um, I think you have to be prepared when you make a team, there's a chance that they're going to call you up for a relay. Mm-hmm. Um, cable always reiterates that to us. And um, just be prepared for anything could happen because 
you could have somebody get um, fall sick or something like that, and then you could get caught up for another race, right? <clears throat> so I think I was in the back of my mind, I was doing the wishful thinking, thinking that I could make a relay. So I was already preparing myself for it. But I think even in, in hindsight, like I, I would have just been ready to just do whatever they needed me to do for the team because in the day you're swimming for them, you're swimming for we're swimming under Australia and representing Australia, and um, yeah, we do what they need us to get the points and stuff like that. So yeah, there was a lot of um, being prepared and for from for a new pro, completely new program. Because by the last day, I was exhausted for the twenty to fly, um, having done so many other different races I wasn't supposed to be doing. Um, but I still managed to get on my PB, whereas mm-hmm. everyone else on the last day was like falling short of their PB, like in yeah. all the race about all the races. So Glenn wasn't too fast that I got on my PB. Didn't make a finals for, but he was really happy with the effort that I gave overall with it. Um, and I think it was just an incredible experience, you know. Um, you're getting to see fastest swimmers in the world, and then you can tracking where you are at the moment. It was like funny to see actually. Um, I dive in in front of the um, everyone else, all the lanes, but then they'd swap me to 25 <laughs> metres, which wasn't good. And then I'd turn and then I'd catch it all up and then just see ya. Yeah. But yeah, that was um, basically the whole meet for me. Um, I think it gave, it, it was a good scope and it gave me good confidence in my um, event. Um, I see that I'm like still far behind to a degree, but uh, I think I have a lot, I can improve a lot more quicker than others in like certain areas just given the fact that a lot of it's just to do with my stroke efficiency and stuff like that mm. so, that yeah. 49 low mate that must have been a bit of a buzz yeah <laughs> um it was a quick swim <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, yeah i just it was it was nice as well because i dived it yeah i had like a big turn big dive big turn i closed the margin of heaps and that and i just came back strong and then sent in the next guy i think yeah, it was. It wasn't a great. Some some other guys on the team just weren't feeling it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a good shot on a couple of relays. I, I didn't end up meddling in any of the events, um, junior worlds. Uh, I think there were a couple of relays where I thought we had a good opportunity in, but just things didn't go our way. I think um, we all tried our best, but it just didn't fall in our hands, you know. So, well, the thing with time. doing this podcast that I've learnt over you know the time in listening and doing the research is. All these things that you've just mentioned there and, and they're all experiences and the amount of times I've tracked, you know, certain people's major meets and they've had to go through Junior Worlds, Commonwealth Games, Pan Packs, and all of a sudden they've had a really big breakout meet because of all those experiences you touched on, all the little things, all the little mistakes that they might have made, all the, you know, the two kilos that probably didn't even mean that much yep. to anyone anyway, but you made it such a, <laughs> you could have just gone to the toilet and let the two kilos out, but anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I, I think, um, you know, mate, you know, you're well on the, on your way to, to, you know, bigger and better things. That's for sure. Talking about bigger and better things, Ohio state university, you, you've committed there. Uh, I think you're off there next yep. year. I think it was August or something like that. You mentioned, yeah. Firstly, yep. how did that opportunity come about? Um, so they DM'd me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as all uh, great relationships colleges, start. As all, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think all, all all athletes on the junior team probably got a um, from different colleges. I got yep. a few from other colleges, and I never gave a lot of um, like attention towards it. But Ohio State was the same college that uh, Meg came from, and she um, insisted that I had a listen, mm-hmm. which I did, and then. Um, the the um I think it was it was good 
to um, get basically like, you know, talked up, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think I was like, uh, I was going into it thinking uh, they can talk me up as much as they want, but I'm not going. Um, but <clears throat> I think it was just the what, the things they said, like that really tuned in with me and the opportunity. Because in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to just have an experience of swimming short course yards just because I'm so strong with short course meters, I always thought transitioning short course yards would be incredible, but I never thought I wanted to do it for three years, maybe just like a one year stint type of thing. But just to talk and even the, um, the, uh, the offer that they gave me, um, I was really, um, I was really happy with that. I mean, it was a considerably um, good offer and I didn't, I, I, I knew, I know myself's own value. And I think Cable knows of my value, but I didn't think I'd be seen as that valuable mm-hmm. to them, um, which I was. And I think I could also be attributed to Meg talking me up as well. Because <laughs> again, Meg's a great athlete. She's an incredible trainer, um, to say the least. Um, but yeah, I think a bit of her, a bit of um, my results, a bit of um, me watching film, maybe. Yeah. But I think it was a good opportunity um, that I just wanted to like, exploring and it was hard it was hard um talking to my parents you know, i'm into talking to my parents into but luckily my sister was there along the way to also um convince them for me to um pursue this um mm. great opportunity and yeah so ohio state here we go we got buckeyes absolutely well mate get excited yeah. i'd be excited to to get on a trip like that and to have the experiences that you're about to have no doubt what are you looking forward to most about getting over there and getting amongst the college system Oh, getting into college for sure. Yeah. Um, getting into college life. Yeah, not the parties, uh, mate. Listen, I told you your parents are going to be listening to this. So, <laughs> you're, you know, parents listen. Anytime their kids are on a podcast, their parents are listening. So, let's, yeah. but he's, he'll be very good on the weekends. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, call it like the train, like in terms of training. Yeah, to be serious for for a second, there's no doubt that you know, the college system is really big on that team aspect, and no doubt that's what they saw yeah. in you. They saw somebody that was going to yeah. be able to produce. They probably looked at your junior world champs, mate, and the fact that you had to step up so often for the relays, you know, things that you weren't probably prepared for, the hundred fly that you weren't prepared for, then you step up, you still do well. Yeah. Not only that, yeah. you kill it in that hundred split that you mentioned. So yeah. uh, they probably looked at things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a lot of the competitions because I know they, they race a lot more frequently than we do. We've yeah. got your Metro Northwest, your Metros, your state and your nationals. Yeah. Um, and just cap it off at that. Really, it's just yeah. really just four or five races a year. That really same support. old, same Ed, old. Don't give me yeah. 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 Let's just think, copy and paste and do it again just because we've always done it. Yep. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's always been the dry thing about um, Australian swimming and that's where like America's um, excelled very well in mm-hmm. in terms of sport and I think the NCAA system is just crafted towards that right? there's a lot of um, college system is just a lot of racing and they get a lot of racing competitions so that's why when you see the Americans when they come to like big meets they, they don't phase away from it because they know this is just something they do basically every single week right mm. <clears throat> um, I think I in, in my decision to make um, to going over that, I did um, ponder over the fact that I don't think there's overly too much to be gained in America um, that I could also hear because I think Cable offered a great um, great system and a great opportunity as a smaller squad, a more um, specific squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think that um, it'd affect my training all too much. I think um, 
And then if then there were some skeptics with um going over college saying that if you go change systems and stuff like that, doing more short course yards, it'll affect the way you swim long course and stuff like that. To which I just say Michael Phelps just did short course yard training. They made it really well in the mm-hmm. Olympics. Um so yeah, I think for me it was a lot to do with the fact that I had a real deep desire to want to race um the American competition in short course yards as well as um the erasing them in like bigger Phillips national meets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um but the short course yards was very enticing as well as the fact that I could sort of like make my name type of thing um and try and like elevate their program a bit and uh, make a name for Ohio State over there. Because I, I really do think I have that type of impact, especially given how how invested they are in short course yards mm. as well. I have a lot to give there. But end of the day, I need to make sure the mindset's still me trying to make teams, which they said, which um, which I loved when um, we had our meetings with them, how they um, clearly communicated that they really are committed to me making teams as well as doing well at NCAAs, which was what I needed. Because you have the occasional colleges that will be way too invested in um, doing too well at NCAAs and neglect your um, future. Hmm. um, potentially making teams absolutely i think that's what separates you know the really great coaches over there from the good coaches over there is Mm -hmm. the the ones who are able to differentiate and um, i think greg troy is someone who's really great at that um he's out of the college system now but you know when he was there he was phenomenal at making sure everyone Mm -hmm. internationally were ready to go for their home um you know programs and they're making their home uh, national teams and stuff like that um i want to finish our chat with some less serious questions now i know you would have listened to um uh c-bomb lee's one so that you'd be ready for this hopefully so um we're going to talk about your favorite music favorite movie so whatever first comes to your head throw it out there um what sort of music do you like to listen to um taylor swift are you serious yeah wow all right that's fine i've always said no judgment you're joking or no you're joking no, I'm into Taylor Swift. I've been to a concert. What do you mean into her? Like, if just I'm into you all know, the watch... music. Okay. Oh, that's fine. You've been to a concert? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I've been to a concert. <sighs> all right, that's fine. I'll move on. I always I'm, say I'm no. I'm also into other stuff. I'm into no, other no. stuff too. <laughs> I'm really into pump up. Anything basketball related, I'm into. No, too, don't bla- No, don't feel bad. That's my own fault. I always say no judgment, yeah, right. and then that's the first time yeah, I've yeah, thrown yeah, judgment yeah, yeah, straight yeah, back okay, at you. That's right. okay. That's my fault. I apologize. I apologize. You're the first guest I've ever offended. Um, (laughs) What about favorite movies? What do you like to watch? My favorite movie is 500 Days of Summer. What is that? It's a rom-com. It's not even a rom-com. It's just a romantic movie. What about, let's let's talk about something that I like. (laughs) What about, you mentioned before you like those motivational movies. What sort of motivational movies? Oh, everything. Um, I've seen um, Miracle... My All-American, Remember the Titans, um, Any Given Sunday. Coach Carter, you watch Coach Carter? Coach Carter I've seen. Coach Carter I've seen. um, uh, All the Rockies, really big on Rocky. Um, I could just keep going on and on with all the sports movies that I've seen. But, yeah, it's the same message and it's just the um, invigorating sense and the relatability, you know what I mean? So, like. Yeah, just trying to climb out of ring. Do you ever watch the Rocky movies and think, all right, tomorrow I'm going to start boxing and then the next day I'll wake up. Oh, I shadow box. I like to shadow box myself, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, just shadow box, punch the wall, hurt my knuckles. Yeah, do those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. What about favorite meals, mate? What do you like to eat? What if you get to go out with your mates for a feed? What do you? What's your go-to? It's like um, it's an Asian noodle thing. Um, it's okay in Cantonese. It's called gontang ha. Okay. Um, and it's like a um beef uh, noodle type of stir fry thing. Yeah. And uh, last meal. That would be it. Like, if I could have that every day, I'd have that every day. I need to definitely find one of those in America. Yeah. Do, do you make that at home or is that like... So you, no, you that's prefer- always a shop thing. Okay. I, I prefer going out for that one. My mom tries to make it and she's a great <laughs> cook. She can make everything but that. So that's Absolutely. Weird. Don't forget she's going to listen to yeah. this. So, yes, yeah, she's a great cook. Now... That's <laughs> right. I tell her all the time. <laughs> Favourite TV shows to binge watch, mate? What do you like to watch? Brooklyn Nine-Nine is good. Brooklyn Nine Nine is good. Um, yeah. I did watch a lot of um, Bones and Suits and Criminal Minds. But mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just a lot of crime ones and a bit fun, bit of humour because you can't yeah. really stay too serious the whole way through. Yeah, now Brooklyn Nine Nine is very good. That is a fan favourite, that's for sure. What about favourite quotes? You mentioned quotes, so let's let's get into some. What are some of your favourites? I mean, I have one on the wall right now by Michael Jordan. It says, "Never say never," because limits like fears are often just an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um. You can have it just as simple as um, uh, there's a couple of ways. Just like you, you need to go. You need to go in the mindset of being more like a kid. Um, I think it, you became you become more liberated, and um, you think more freely without yeah. doubts and stuff like that as a kid. And I think that's something really important to um, to uh, embrace. Mm. Uh, but yeah, just there's a plethora of it, and I think. It's one thing to look at it; it's another to act upon it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'll still just do it out of enjoyment watching just all these motivational movies. And when it comes to motivational movies, I don't just limit myself to that. Yeah. I also um, the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith and his son Jaden Smith. Yeah, it's a great movie. That's a great, motiva- that's a great motivational movie as well. Mm. Um, just there's there's so many outlets to um uh to attain motivation from. But end of the day, it comes from within and um, whether your purpose or what you want to do in life and what you want to be get successful in life is uh, whether that aligns um, well with your motivations, if you know what I mean. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Um, I think you hit the yeah. nail on the head. It doesn't really matter what you're reading on a wall if it doesn't really mean much to you. And as you said, it doesn't align with your goals and your goals don't mean that much to you. Well, it doesn't really make, it's not going to help, is it? No, not at all. No, not at all. Now, when we redo yeah. this chat in say two to five years' time, let's let's because you're only a young fella, so let's go to five years. Yeah. What uh, accomplishments would you like me to be adding to that intro? Oh, for sure, Olympic medalist, Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think you can even add. I, I reckon I'll have like um, this is where I get conceited about myself and uh-huh. hype myself up because I see myself in five years having the potential of um, getting um, short course world record. Being known for my underwaters, um, and yeah, just just I think trying to be a revolutionary in the sport, a bit like how Caleb Dressel is pioneering at the moment. Yeah, um, I think I can get I can veer towards that. I have I think I have that same athleticism as well. Um, so yeah, just Olympic gold medalist, world champ gold medalist, um, a couple world records, and yeah, hopefully that's. That's what makes me, um, hopefully that's um, sufficient enough for me. 
Well, mate, I'll tell you this much. So you're probably the first person that's ever openly just said what they thought. I think there's a lot of people that when I say, oh, where do you want to be in two to three years time? They kind of hesitate for a little bit because they don't want this to be a record of something that they said when they look back in five years time and they're like, oh man, that's so embarrassing. I didn't even get anywhere near that. So, you know, I can appreciate, you know, that sort of, um, as you say, I don't think it's conceded. I think it's only conceded. Yeah, well, I, it's only conceded if you're not putting the work in behind it to actually achieve yeah. those goals, if you know what I mean. Like yeah, one of my sure. favorite quotes is how you, do any, uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. So, yeah. you know, it's only conceded if behind the scenes you're not actually putting in the work. It's only conceded if behind the scenes you're missing the morning training because you're sleeping in. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to yeah. you know, break a world record. Well, no, you're not. You're bloody sleeping in the bed, mate. So I don't think it's conceded at all as long as everything's, you know, backing it up, which I'm sure you are. You so. have to speak it to existence, like Conor McGregor. Yeah, well, it's a lot of attraction. Yeah. You speak it to existence. That's right. Well, what, a, what a superstar. I mean, if you don't believe it enough, you won't say it. You, it's one thing to trash talk, but it's one thing that it's mother to trash talk and back it up. That's right. That's Speaking of trash talk, you've mentioned that a few times. Do you, are you a gamer? Gamer? Like yeah. on computer games? Yeah. Oh, I play Val. I started getting into um, Valorant. It's like a um, RPG um, shooting game. Do yeah. you get to talk? Do you play other people? Oh, Do you talk? hell yeah, yeah. I get yeah. toxic. It's not mm. good. I get toxic. <laughs> I get oh, toxic. I still hear my brother getting um, just uh, just smashed by these twelve, thirteen year olds um, on the yeah. when he's playing Xbox and stuff. It's yeah. hilarious. I love it. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he's not as good. I mean, he has a little comes back, but to be honest, I think they they they're so much better. Those younger kids, they've got great one liners. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Listen, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very yeah. much for coming on. Um, you know, Thank we were you. meant to do yep. this a week ago, but unfortunately, something popped up for me. So I appreciate oh, you. Yeah. Yes, I appreciate you. You know, finding the time. Um, thank you very much for, as I said, you know coming on having a chat with me talking about your career being very open i think that's very important especially for the younger kids listening because it makes you more relatable there's people out there that you know do go through these things so um i I think that was great mate good luck over the next you know nine months with your training obviously into next year with with open nationals and trials and things like that and then heading over to to the u.s i think you're going to have a great time over there mate and we'll stay in touch and i'll I'll, we'll do another. We'll do a, a round two over there while yeah, you're over right. there and see how you're yeah, tracking. Right. Sounds good. Yeah, I appreciate the time you put into um, all these talks. It's just incredible what um, people can get from it, you know, especially the young ones. So, yeah, well, thank you. Absolutely. Well, it's a, you guys are the ones who come on. It's, you know, I'm just yeah. the, the voice that's asking a you're quick question. And... You're the great mediator. <laughs> well, mate, thank <laughs> you very much for coming on Off the Block Swing Podcast. Thank you for having me. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you as always by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Big week here on the show. Thank you to all our amazing guests, Maddie Goff, Caitlin McClatchy, and Alex Quash. You are all legends. Thank you very much for allowing me to spend some time chatting with you this week. Now, don't forget, as I said at the beginning of the show, next week is a massive week on the show. Superstars of Australian and World Swimming coming your way to finish the season off the way it should be, culminating in our 100th episode next Friday that is going to feature the biggest name in World Swimming right now, and I am buzzing to bring you that chat. Until then, though, guys, have a great weekend. Be good to your mum. Get outside and do something fun. And it's bye for now.